everyone. I'm Rosie Ward, and this is Show Up as a Leader. I am super, super excited about today's episode where I chat with Arthur Woods. And if you're not familiar with him, he is the co-founder of a company called Matheson, which you will learn about in the podcast. He is a social entrepreneur who works at the intersection of equity, inclusion, and technology. So you'll learn more about that. He was named to Forbes 30 Under 30 and 40 Under 40 by the EQ. He's a three times TEDx speaker, and he has advised leading brands from Disney and MetLife to Smithsonian. And he is such an incredible humanitarian and entrepreneur and leader. And the work he's doing to help disenfranchise communities connect with meaningful work is so impactful. And we had such a great conversation about resetting priorities and our mindset and how we can just show up better in our lives and influence positive change. And I walked away hopeful and energized and super encouraged and also thinking about some things in a different way. And I hope you feel the same. Well, thank you so much for being here, Arthur. It is so good to see you since uh, what it's been the end of 2018 since the last time we saw each other in person. So I'm so, so happy to connect. It's great to see you, Rosie. So since it's been a while since we've been together, and I know when we met, you spoke at our Fusion 2.0 conference. And at that time, you were working with Imperative, doing some awesome, awesome work. And I know you've been on quite the journey since then. So just tell me about your leadership journey in general and kind of what drives you. And then we'll talk about what you're doing currently with the great work at Matheson. Well, thanks, Rosie. I mean, look, I think very similar to you, uh, I, I believe wholeheartedly in the power of human potential. And look, you know, we spend the majority of our lives at work every day and the vast majority of people feel disempowered. They feel they, they don't feel included. Um, we have a huge lack of representation in the workforce. And these are all the types of things that keep me up at night and, and, and also get me up in the morning, you know? And I think, you know, I, I've always really believed that we have the, the power to unlock human potential with technology and that with systems and with uh, shared practices, we can, you know, realize human potential as well. So, you know, one of the things that was amazing um, in the journey at Imperative, we started to do a lot of work in the disability community. And I found myself working with a number of nonprofit agencies supporting people with disabilities. And first and foremost was just so inspired and taken aback by the, the, the vital role that work plays in the lives of people with disabilities. And if you think about it, for the first time, so many folks um, in the community, you know, uh, they're, you know, work is the first place where they've felt like they've made an impact or where, where they felt a sense of community or where they, they felt like they've grown. And I know I, I witnessed firsthand that there's a 70% unemployment rate in the disability community, despite wow. this ordinary, you know, role that work plays in, 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 in the lives of the community. And it struck me that this is, this is a huge issue to solve. Um, how can we start to really look at how we have so many underrepresented communities in our workforce today who value work, who, who want nothing more than to work, and yet are disconnected from opportunities to work? And, you know, when I looked across the workforce, it, it was clear that it wasn't just the disability community that was lacking representation, especially the, the, the higher that you went up in seniority in the workforce. It was, it was most underrepresented communities from veterans to, you know, formerly incarcerated individuals all the way to the LGBTQ community. And I was very inspired to, to look at how we could change systems and change approaches to um, to really elevate representation in the workforce. At this moment, even a year and a half ago, where diversity and inclusion was 
top of mind for so many, right? And where uh, there was so much rhetoric, yet not a lot of action. And um, I had the opportunity to pass the baton and imperative to some extraordinary folks. And, um, and, and, and that was really how Matheson came to be. I love that. Well, and what I love so much about everything you've done, and we'll talk more about specifically what you're doing at Matheson, is you think about when we talk about having a human workforce, we can't have a truly human workforce if people don't have an opportunity, like you said, if they can't belong, if they don't even have a chance. And so we, in our book, Rehumanizing the Workplace, we talk about that and talk about even like our language about like ableist language that we don't even think about. And it just so how, you know, it's not just about can someone in a wheelchair get through? It's what about people who like my business partner, John, at the Fusion 2.0 conference, he realized that for him, because he has MS and it's a hard time walking, like mm-hmm. that was a lot of walking and we didn't have enough benches where he could stop and sit. I mean, just like, a, yeah. and there's so many other ways that people, um, you know, can be limited or disadvantaged in, in a variety of ways. And so I so appreciate that because I think in today's day and age where DEI is top of mind, mm-hmm. again, uh, because of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor's murder and the whole global social justice crisis, even though this has been going on for centuries, it's now companies are realizing, wow, like maybe it was a check the box and we need to invest in it more wholly. And it goes far beyond race. And so I love how inclusive you're being and how broadly you're thinking about this because you know, there's, there's human issues of how do we help people shift their mindset and and interact differently. But to your point, there's systems. And if our system gets in the way, we're not going to get very far. And so I love that you're taking such, such a different approach. So, so with that, tell me then more about what you are specifically doing at at Matheson. So to your point, we have to take a, a systems focused approach. And it really, you know, this question really caused me to step back and ask myself, you know, what is my theory of change around this work? Why is it that in the last decade, we've talked about the need for greater representation, yet we haven't seen it really shift? And the reason is that, you know, I believe there, there's a Venn diagram of three things that have to change. The first is we have to connect communities. We have to get outside of our, our concentric circles and reach into communities we're not normally in. It's amazing how homogenous our recruitment efforts are when we are indeed just going to the communities we're part of. So there was an access issue. We needed to make that connection. The second piece was even when reaching new communities and actually successfully sourcing underrepresented candidates, there was an issue with systems. When we send those candidates through processes, talent processes that are riddled with bias, that are inaccessible, that don't represent the most progressive and inclusive policies, those candidates don't actually successfully advance. And what we realized was there had never actually been a comprehensive analysis of the hiring and talent process through the lens of inclusivity. Um, Most of the time, employers were guessing as to what they should do. They were sort of reading the occasional Forbes article or Fast Company article, and they were realizing that they weren't taking a a systems-based approach to solve the need. And so we realized there was a systems challenge that we needed to fix, and we needed to find a way to do that at scale. The final piece, and you you touched on this, Rosie, is that there's a mindset problem. And even if you have the most diverse slate of candidates that go through the most fair and equitable system, at the end of that process, if there are decision makers who aren't aware and who harbor their own biases, the systems will fail. And we had to address the mindset piece as well in the awareness and understanding. So this became a pretty complicated challenge. Okay, how at scale can you do these three things and truly advance these three things 
in a way that is accessible because typically most organizations try to tackle one or two of them um, and usually not, not with any kind of seismic shift. So what we decided to do was to build a marketplace um, and, and in doing so to partner with social sector organizations that serve underrepresented populations. These are typically nonprofit membership groups, workforce development agencies, training groups, diverse chambers of commerce, and these groups have one common thread, which is they serve underrepresented populations. They typically don't have sophisticated technology, but what they have is extraordinary institutional knowledge on the needs of their communities. And they are truly the domain, domain experts. So we partnered with these groups and basically built a technology that helps companies source from these communities and actually leverages their institutional knowledge to train and build awareness among teams and reduce bias in systems. And I love that. I love, well, and I, I love that because we always say that if we want to have more human workplaces and really more human communities, it's not a solo journey, right? You don't do it in a bubble. And, and so I love that you're partnering with these groups that have the knowledge and, and it's a win-win. So that's just, that's fantastic. That's just, yay. It's, it's been fun. It's been fun. And I think for us, what, what we realize is, um, you know, there, there's for employers, there's no lack of intention. It's it's really just a lack of access. And we have to find a way to demystify this work and, and take it out of the, you know, out of the consulting realm, per se, and into into the product realm, you know, and, and that's, I think, exactly what we what we learned needed to happen. And, you know, um, we're at this moment now where I think we've all heard the rhetoric. We're, we're, we're all in, in agreement of the need. We, we know the business case. Um, I think we're at this moment, especially in light of what happened with George Floyd this year and kind of the wake up call the world had. Um, I think employers are, are sort of biased toward action now. And I, and I, and I really, I, I'm grateful that that's the case. We see that um, I think folks are ready to stop talking and start doing, you know, and that's, yeah. that's what we want to see. Let's hope, right? There, I, I think there, I think there's a lot, and I think there's still some check the box. But I hope, you know, I'm I I lean on the side of hope, and the yes. people are moving in, in a good direction. So, speaking of leading companies, I mean, you st you started Matheson, you're the co-founder, and you you lead a company. So, tell me what you've been seeing um, with your teams and even with yourself during this yeah. time, because 2020 is a crazy ass time to, yeah. to try to lead any lead ourselves, let alone other people. Well, you know, you called it and, and look, this year has carried, carried so much emotional baggage and has tested us um, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And um, it's also a, a bizarre time to be trying to do something new and to innovate at a time when, you know, as you know, that requires so much resilience and stamina and, and you have to really have a, some mental fortitude to, to wake up every day and, and try to do something new that you think is going to be game changing. Um, I think that this year, if anything, the, the, the common thread, and I'm sure you feel this too, Rosie, is that, you know, it, it, this year has put things in perspective for people. I think, you know, COVID has very much taught us um, the, the, the power of community and how, how, how important it is for us to be connected and to support each other. And, you know, how much our health matters, that our well-being matters. Um, I think it's, it's taught us that the playbook that we inherited around work that we thought could never be changed uh, could be completely rewritten. You know, so many organizations, I know you and I have both spoken to that said it was never possible for their workforces to be remote. Now I've realized it is. Um, <laughs> well, they don't so, have a choice too. It's like, well, we better choice, figure right? it out. Yeah. They don't have a choice. So, you know, I, I think a, you know, it, it's, it's somewhat of a healthy disruption that we we've learned. Wow. You know, we, we, when, when we're forced to rewrite the playbook, it actually is possible to do it. 
And maybe a few things that, that had to change maybe won't be undone, you know, um, the, the accessibility component of, of working remotely for many was game changing, you know, for the working parent, for the individual with disabilities, for the older and experienced worker, it really, you know, was transformational. Um, and, you know, the, the, so, so COVID taught us, of course, so many lessons. I think the world really was woken up by the George Floyd incident, the, by the Breonna Taylor incident. Um, I think just seeing this completely heartless institutional racism and, and you know, atrocity that really caused people to, to, I think, evaluate their value system and, and, and I think caused organizations to, to, to truly look at their representation and say, you know, if we're not practicing what we preach, we have to start changing and, yeah. and, and we're not, we can't wait anymore. You know, the yeah. urgency was created overnight. I think that was a real, um, we saw, you know, when we, when we were, we were first just bringing Matheson to life really, um, uh, you know, just last year and, and COVID was, was very much in the early stages of, of our organization. And we thought this, this is the worst thing that could ever happen to, you know, an organization focused on recruitment and HR tech. Um, and we saw a complete shift in the, the world when, you know, the George Floyd incident happened. And yep. it was, I just, I think it also just goes to show that you never know how these external factors can influence what you're working on. Um, and, I, and I think I've just learned not to take anything for granted at all. So I think, you know, this year, again, I, you know, to your point, it's, it's, it, there's so much to process. I think we still haven't fully processed at all. Um, I think in many ways, we've also learned to just live each day and maybe not think too far into the future or, or too far into the past, because we're in this moment now and there's just so much that's changing. We can, all we can, all we can really do is evaluate what's in front of us, right? Well, exactly. And you know, what's funny, I think I said this on another podcast, but I said, I, the reason why you got to kind of be present. One of the reasons is I feel like I'm in a bad nineties infomercial where the dude with the beard is going to say, but wait, there's more. Oh yeah. <laughs> you, I know. You wake up you saying, know. You're like, Oh God, really now what? Stuff up. I know. I know. It's, yeah, You can't, you cannot make this yeah. stuff up. And you're just like, Oh, I, 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 and you just hear one more thing. And of course, all over social media, there's all the memes that are like, if 2020 was a slide and it looks like a cheese grater, right. Or if 2020 <laughs> was a candle smell and it's a bunch of outhouses on fire, you know, I mean, it's just because you, if you cannot laugh about how insane it is, you yeah. will absolutely just, you know, come unglued. And so, yeah, I mean, you, you, you yeah, I think there's, um, yeah, there's, there's so much to be grateful for and so much to challenge us and, yeah. and, and all I, that. But I would say that your book, it, your book is sort of the, the, the um, you know, it is the epitome of the, the lesson for this year, right? And that is that, you know, we, we truly have to be human centered. And I think if we didn't know that already, we learned it firsthand. Uh, we saw it firsthand. Um, it, 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 we, we were forced into it. And again, I, I think if there's a silver lining that can come from something like this, that's, a, that's an amazing silver lining to emerge. I yeah. think left this year, we will leave this year with so much greater perspective and, 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 and I think intentionality than we had before. Yeah. Goodness. I hope so. I, I so mm -hmm. hope so. And you know, what's interesting. So speaking of that, and this is probably a good segue is, as you know, cause you were so kind to read and, and write a review for the, for the book yeah. that our whole premise is, of it. And I think that the pandemic and beyond has shown us this is that 
we can't wait for somebody who is more connected or who has the title or we perceive as quote unquote more qualified to yeah. step up is that we really, we need every single one of us to step up and choose to show up as a leader, which is what this podcast is about. And I think yeah. that when the pandemic hit, you saw it with like neighbors, you saw it with kids in school. I mean, you see kids are showing up as leaders and teachers and everybody, yeah. and they may not have the title or the role, the responsibility. And so I think that you know, that's really emerging as well as, wow, we need everybody to step up and show up differently. And so, um, and so I want to kind of shift gears a little bit because what I've heard from so many people, and I know we write about this in the book, and I've certainly experienced this, is that while we all have the opportunity and need to show up as a leader, our own humanity gets in our way. And we have our self-limiting story that, you know, just gets in our way that we have to recognize and then find ways to kind of overcome that. Right. And so what I want to ask you is what's a self-limiting story that you find yourself telling yourself. Mm. And then when it shows up, how do you move beyond it? So you can still show up as a leader. That is a wonderful question. You know, I I think um, the self-limiting story that I'm often telling myself is that I, uh, you know, that I, I don't have time that, you know, there's just so much happening in the day that um, I, I can't I can't take on more, and I can't necessarily be as generous as I, li- I would like to be. And it's amazing how the moment something becomes a priority, I've learned you have time for it, you know. And so a, a lot of the way that I'm challenging myself around that that reaction because there is so much happening, and I think the mental you know sort of the the mental burden that so much of what has happened in the world has occupied has made a lot of people feel like they're not available or they have to sort of push things away or they have to defer. And I, I, I found myself deferring things that are really high priority and they're meaningful to me, but I've just felt like I, I, can't, I can't take them on right now because of this, of the, just sort of the, the, the mental distraction that I think I and many people are undergoing. And that, that I think to me, it's, it's you know, it, again, it gets back to sort of your value system and your, your ability to prioritize. And um, it, it is it is remarkable again how when something really matters to us we we find a way to have time for it you know yeah um, so that's so, so when you find yourself with a I don't have time for it what's the 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 shift you tell yourself like is there a mantra or is there a practice you have where you can kind of reprioritize because there there there's some steps yeah. between oh I'm in, stuck in this narrative of I don't have enough time to I'm going to do something about it like what what's that shift for you completely well you know the big the big shift is is to ask myself does this matter to me. And you know what? I think in many ways, I, I'll, I'll, I'll say the, the reverse of this, which is I've also said yes to things that truthfully I shouldn't, you know? Um, Don't we all I, do that? I know, and, you know, going through that motion and realizing, you know, later on feeling this guilt, like, wow, I really should have been honest with myself and this other person that this wasn't a priority or that, that you know, I, I wasn't the right person for this. Um, and, and I think, I, again, I think life, you know, <laughs> this year has also reminded us that life is way too short. So, you know, be honest with ourselves and each other about the things that are most important to us that align with our purpose, that 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 align with the areas where we can make the greatest impact. And if there is a misalignment, let's let's just bring that to a head, you know. And if we're deferring something that matters to us, let's find a way to reprioritize it. Because I think that, you know, again, we 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 there if the time is now, and I think that urgency is something that we're all feeling right now. I love that. And really it speaks to one, it speaks to knowing yourself. But it's also about being able to catch ourselves, right, and create that space. And before we started recording, you and I were just talking about kind of, you know, uh, where we've been. And I was yeah. saying that, you know, I used to, when I get hijacked, I 
I get into, I said this in the book, I get into full-blown pain in the ass, hyperproductive, get shit done one. And what happens is I'll get a request for a meeting or a request for doing a podcast interview or a request for whatever. And I'll look at my calendar and go, oh yeah, I have an hour here. Sure. And next thing I know, my week is so jammed that I don't have room to breathe. I don't have room to do follow-up or prep. Like it's just go, 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 go. And then I'm on overload. And so I love that because what I've been doing is I look like I I've gotten several requests this week and it's not that they're not important conversations, but they're not in the grand scheme of things. They're not important or they're not important. They're not uh, urgent or priority. And so I'll look at my calendar and go, Okay, I could take that meeting, but I also know that I need some breathing room here. I also know I have two brand new puppies downstairs that need some oh, attention. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I know, right? And and I know that I, you know, I need to be able to like process. And a lot of the coaching I do is pretty heavy emotionally, and I need to be able yeah. to just kind of regroup. And so I'll look, and I've been so much better at saying, you know what? I honestly, I, I need my full focus for the next four days. And so can we meet next week? And most people are okay with that. And so I just think it's setting those boundaries and being really clear about, to your point, does this matter? And, um, and, and not that this person doesn't matter, but not everything can be urgent and important. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And I love that matrix, by the way, you know, the, is it, is it urgent, important? Is it, is it, you know, um, is, is it, is it important or not? Right. Um, or yeah. urgent, urgent and important. And, you know, do you, do you do it today or do you defer it? And yeah. I think that, you know, you start to look at that matrix and you realize, wow, there's, you know, there's so much that I put in this urgent and important category that doesn't truly believe, you know, doesn't truly deserve to be there. Right. Right. Like it might be urgent, but it's not important or it might be important, but it's not urgent. And then you right. can kind That's of, right. yeah, That's yeah. Right. love that. And, um, you know, the other thing I think that really, that, that sort of backs up to this, that I, I was speaking to a, a group of students yesterday about, um, the fact that we have, you know, I think we've really learned this year that there are different types of wealth and we always sort of immediately go to financial wealth. But when we start to think about our, you know, natural capital, spiritual capital, social capital, um, you know, our, our wisdom capital. And we, you know, this year has, I think, put into perspective for many the fact that optimizing a life purely around financial wealth while recognizing that we've been deficient in these other areas um, life is way too short to be acting that way. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think we're, we're going to see, and I think we already have witnessed many individuals making pretty big changes to their life and to their careers um, recently. And I think in the next year, because of this huge realization that, wow, I've been, I've been, I, I haven't actually prioritized these, these types of wealth in my life. And um, I, I may have been only focused on one and I've built my entire existence around it. So how do I, now reevaluate my my choices if I have a better sense of what truly matters to me. And I think that's I amazing. That. It's an amazing thing to, to go through. It's, I think, an amazing kind of mental exercise for us all to to, to walk through. Well, absolutely. And, and there's so much about that, that that I love. And one thing that stood out to me as you were talking is one of my earlier episodes, I was fortunate enough to interview Lynn Twist along with Alexander McCoban. And Lynn Twist mm-hmm. talks about kind of the different ways that we view wealth, right? And looking at indigenous populations and others, and they don't know anything about, they don't have the definition of money or wealth that we have. And even people who, to your point, if they've wrapped their entire existence, for example, around work, and that's their source of wealth, whether it's about making money or about the product or about their identities from what they do, right? And then they realize, oh my gosh, I have nannies raising my kids or, you know, and you just start to have these wake up calls and you see people who, you know, maybe were C-suite in companies that are saying, screw this, or you see people that are doing career shifts. And, and I, I do really think that 
one of the silver linings of 2020 is that people are waking up and starting to take greater inventory of what matters to them. And not that it can be an overnight thing, but when you get that clarity of purpose, we call that kind of building the lighthouse. When you get that clarity of purpose, it is, it cuts through that fog and it helps you go, okay, like, does this matter? Can I say no to this? What, what have I been lacking in my life? And it allows you to just start be intentional to, to create your own journey versus being subject to whatever, the journey, whatever's been thrown on the path for you, if that makes any sense. That is so true. That's so true. And I, and I couldn't agree with that more that this year has, has caused people to wake up and ask, and ask the question, you know, what matters to me? And I think it also has given people kind of the urgency to say, I need to make a change because I just witnessed this year that people I know have actually died and life isn't, you know, isn't infinite and our health uh, matters and our community matters and all of these things that you know, I'm now feeling like I'm without, I need to, I need to have, you know, all of these types of wealth that I've been missing that I haven't been, been taking stock of all this time. So I, I, I completely agree with that. The other thing I think is that what a, what a perfect time to innovate this, this entire year has, um, has, has, has made visible so many inefficiencies and, and, and marginalized communities. And so if you're, if you're someone who's wanting to make an impact and wanting to do something innovative, this is kind of the right, the most fertile ground you know, to, 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 to be, to be sewing right now, you know? Yeah. And, I, and, and I it doesn't that, have to be starting a company. It can be no. getting involved in a group. It can be starting conversations. It can be, oh my gosh, I'm going to lean in and have this daring conversation with a neighbor or a colleague, right? It's, or, you know, starting to learn more about some of these, you know, groups or, or events or opportunities around me. Completely. I, and I, and I think that's such a good point that, you know, the, the, the way that we express that innovation um, does not necessarily only have to be through, you know, a startup, right? I think we can, we can, you know, as social agents can, can, um, can let that innovation manifest in so many unique ways that could be within a company or, or even just, uh, you know, casually in our, in our connections with others, right? So, the, yeah, for sure. And so this is a great segue into the other question I like to ask all my guests, and it's kind of a twofold. So we obviously define leadership as it's maximizing our positive impact on the world by becoming our best fully authentic selves, right? And then supporting those around us to break past barriers and step into their greatness, which is, you, you do that every day. And so what I would love for you to share is what's one impactful way that you are showing up as a leader, both at work and in your personal life these days? That is a wonderful question. Um, one impactful way that I'm trying to show up as a leader, I think the big thing, honestly, Rosie, is just leading from a position of generosity. Um, I, I think, there's, you know, we're in a space, we're in the recruitment space that is surprisingly so transactional, despite what actually is happening, you know, every day, which is individuals are joining a new community, right? And there's such a beautiful thing that's happening there. And yet somehow this, this entire space that we, we occupy, and in many cases, you could say this about the broader HR space is, you know, it, it's, 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 it's surprisingly transactional and commoditized and We've, we've managed to sort of see people as widgets. And I think it's even meant that in our relationships, there's oftentimes this quid pro quo. And it, it, there is this question of what are you doing for me? What am I doing for you? And so I, I've, I, I think I, I've, I've learned that um, I, have to le- I have to lead from a, a position of generosity. And I need to always be thinking about the ways that I can lift others and give to others without any, without any question is what they're doing for me, because that's not even the, the, the question, you know, um, it's because it's the right thing to do. And 
it's because it's it's a it's a belief that you know in general it's better for the world, and I just um, that's been a really freeing experience. I think what it's also led me to to realize is there are so many people who don't operate like that. And those aren't people we necessarily have to work with. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, we do have a choice, right? You Hopefully. know, we do. Um, we were in the middle of uh, an investment round at Matheson and, and I got to know, I, I, over the, la the last month or so, got to meet every different type of investor. Um, and, uh, you know, I have to say that 85% of the folks that I met were just absolutely phenomenal. They, they, they lived by the same principles of just generosity and character and um, a, 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 just just a, a general interest in people and, and 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 even if something wasn't greatly aligned had this general perspective that I can I can be a I can be a good person I can be a human being I can lead with my values and um, I don't have to intimidate people I don't need to push people around um, but it also became really clear folks that didn't sort of take that perspective and um, it, it really reminded me that, you know, by living, living in this, in this way, um, by being generous and, and treating others in a, in a way that, you know, that, 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 that not only you want to be treated, but in a way that, that, you know, that they want to be treated, which I, I, I've kind of reframed that, that, that saying, you know, don't treat others the way you want to be treated, treat others the way they want to be treated, you know, yeah. and this is, you know, we're working in so many populations as well, where, we have communities that have been historically so disenfranchised. They face systemic racism. They face systemic marginalization. Um, they haven't been empowered to be themselves. And so it's been, it, you know, I think it's been, it's, it's been even more important in this line of work to, to lead from a very empowering, generous and inclusive mindset. Um, and, and I just think that that's, that, that brings out the best in everyone. And I think it, it's a daily, it's a daily, um, journey, you know, and there are days of course, where you wake up without a lot of energy and you just kind of want to like go, you know, be in your own, in your own swim lane. But I, I, I just find that that, that mindset has been so freeing and it's, it's actually created opportunities. It really has, has sort of transformed, um, just kind of the the, mag the magnetic ability to connect to others and and find meaningful ways to work with others. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love it. I just, I just love everything about that. And I know that you're going to be making a huge impact on, on all of these disenfranchised communities and and the businesses that you're helping them connect to. Right. And it's just I'm so excited for the work you're doing. And yay, yay. Go oh, ahead. thank you. Well, you um, too. Thank you. Thank you. Likewise. I love it. Mutual, mutual admiration. And well, and it's also helpful because as I think about clients who, um, you know, could be a fit, right. I mean, there's always like, Hey, you should, you should be talking to Arthur. So, uh, well, same, same. <laughs> that's, that's really going in both directions. So I, you know, I, uh, yeah, your, your book, your book is the, the, the calling card. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you for that. So, so this is kind of the the rapid fire part of the podcast, if you will, that I like to ask all of my guests um, to yeah. show their human side. And, and so just kind of first thought that comes to mind, are, are you ready to play? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do okay. it. Fantastic. I love it. First one, fill in the blank. Living authentically is? Easy. Nice. I like it. <laughs> Uh, we were kind of talking about this, but when the world is presenting an opening, but you don't feel like showing up as a leader, what do you do? Show up and listen, you know, uh, show up and, and observe and, and, and figure out the way that you, that you plug in. Um, because I think, I think even just observing and listening is, is a really powerful first step. That is, that's fantastic. When's the last time you were courageous 
and how did you show up? The last time I was courageous, um, you know, I actually, I defended a, a colleague to a client who was, who was being a bit um, aggressive and, and antagonistic and um, had to, had to kind of step in and, um, and, 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 you know, in fact, had to kind of, you know, draw the line and to, 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 to really sort of represent that uh, our team's well-being is more important than maybe some short-term financial gains by appeasing really bad behavior. And I think that was a, it was a character building moment, you know? Absolutely. That's fantastic. I mean, how many people, I bet that was huge for your colleague and how many people wouldn't do that because they have that scarcity mindset about money or whatever, but it's like right. not worth it. So right, right. That, that's fantastic. What's something people would be surprised to know about you? Surprised to know about me. Um, I was, uh, I grew up as an evangelical Christian um, and uh, came out um, in the LGBTQ community halfway through college. So um, have, have had a, I mean, there, there's, there's a much longer story there, but have had a really kind of interesting spiritual journey um, going from, again, you know, sort of a, a, you know, just very, very different communities and real, and also finding kind of my spiritual way, um, still being a very spiritual person, having been through all of that. So that's been interesting. <laughs> sure. Interesting <laughs> is one word, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So now, uh, we're going to kind of get to the, the fun ones. So this one is one that I actually like to use as an icebreaker for people. And it's been really fun to ask my guests. So I call this the four C's. So if reality and money were no object, so we're not in the middle of the pandemic, there's yeah. nothing holding you back. Um, the first C is what car would you want to have? Okay. Um, the second is what country would you want to visit? The third C is what cuisine would you want to eat? And it does not have to be related to that country. And so calories and anything are, don't count. And okay. then the, the fourth C is what celebrity living or dead would you want to eat that cuisine with? So we'll start oh, with car. Wow. Okay. Yeah. This is great. Okay. So car, I would have to say a, um, I would have to say a Tesla, you know, they seem super cool. Me too. That's uh, the one right, that I said, right. yep. The self-driving car is a great idea because I'm not a great driver. So uh, <laughs> that, that would be, that's, that's very appealing. Um, country. Um, I love Japan. I think it's mm. just such, it's such, such an amazing place. And, and uh, Kyoto especially is like one of my all-time favorite cities. Um, uh, celebrity. You know, I, I am, uh, so Matheson is named after Alan Turing. Um, yep. It was his middle name, um, Alan Matheson Turing. You know, he cracked the Enigma code in World War II. I would love to have lunch with him. Gotcha. And what would you have in that lunch? What's the cuisine? Um, oh, we would we would do pizza. You know, that's you know, great, great, great cuisine. Everyone, he, I'm sure he would love it. <laughs> what, do you have, do you have a favorite topping or a favorite way? Your pizza uh, oh, is usually made? I, I'm usually simple and I'm pepperoni. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I I yeah I keep I keep it simple. Keep it simple. I love it. That's awesome. What is your favorite go to movie? My favorite go-to movie is Devil Wears Prada. I've watched that movie literally probably a hundred times. And it-, it Miranda. Never... <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Your go-to song. My go-to song. Um, I actually, so Brown Eyed Girl, um, which is uh, not my karaoke song. It's my wedding song if I ever get a chance to sing at a wedding. So- that's, I did. You know, when I got married, I danced with my dad to Brown Eyed Girl. Cause it, like, I didn't like want something perfect, slow and sappy. It, I wanted to like, it's like a have perfect fun. wedding song. It is, it is. It's everyone. It's like, and everyone knows it and it, it cuts across generations. So it's like, a, it's a crowd pleaser. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Uh, what's your signature dance move? 
Oh gosh, I'm a really bad dancer, so I I I, I, I I'm like it's like not applicable. <laughs> <laughs> my my life partner Jason can tell you that. Uh, he he's the dancer. I can I can sing. You're just standing kind of. Okay, I'm a, well, I'm a, I'm a single threat, not a triple threat. <laughs> got it. Well, there you go. You sing, he dances. Okay. You, you, you know what it is? You have him be your substitute. Here. That's right. That's right. I can, I, I can, I can, uh, I can, you know, plug him in. I love it. I love it. In another life, what would your job or career be? In another life, um, you know, I could have seen myself I, I, growing up. I, I always thought I would be an architect. So I could, I could see that, that being in another life. Cool. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. What's something you can't live without? Something that I can't live without. Uh, I would have to say um, the gym. I, I I try to go every day. I think probably similar to what you were describing. It's it's what keeps me sane. It's the one moment when I don't. You know, I don't have to be looking at my phone or my computer. So it's you know, it's it's how I keep my balance. Yep. Yep. I would say if if I'm if I'm uh, lovingly swearing while I'm sweating. <laughs> Right, exactly. It's good. It's good. Something in your ordinary daily life that makes your heart happy. Something in my ordinary daily life that makes my heart happy. Um, I would have to say, um, you know, listening to music. Um, just, you know, I, I, I live in New York right now and walk, there's nothing cooler than walking down the streets of New York listening to music. It's like kind of a euphoric experience. Got it. Do you have a go-to genre or is it what, what's. No, I, I'm all over the map, but I, um, I listen to a lot of the classics actually. Um, a lot of, a lot of the sixties, you know, um, you know, Simon and Garfunkel. And, you know, I feel like some, 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 there are some days I wish I were, I wish I had kind of grown up with that, uh, that music. So yeah. Yeah. Nice. I love it. I love it. Going, going retro, retro. I love yeah, that's it. right. Exactly. Exactly. And last but not least, what are you grateful for right now? You know, I'm really grateful for our team. We've got, we've just got a phenomenal team that's mission driven and um, super talented. And, you know, I just, I work with people who are very, I think similar to you, Rosie, very values driven and just, you know, really care about the work that they're doing and um, don't just see this as a job. They see it as a calling. And I think that just, you know, that's, that's contagious, you know, when you're working with people like that. It is totally contagious. Well, and I have no doubt that you are creating uh, a totally fearless environment for them to show up as leaders and and to feel connected to that calling. And I'm so grateful and appreciative for all the work you've done prior to Matheson um, as well. And I know that you're just going to continue to do amazing, amazing things. And you're making such a difference for communities that you're right, are so underrepresented and so disadvantaged. And you are giving them that voice and giving them an opportunity to belong and connect. And that's just, that's got to feel amazing. Thank you, Rosie. Well, you too. And look, I think that the beautiful thing is, is this work is so interconnected and um, your thought leadership is inspiring. And in fact, uh, I'm embarking on writing a book and I'm going to have to get your, your, uh, your, your pro tips on the process. Uh, I'll have to interview you. So yes. stay tuned for that. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was wondering when you were going to write a book. So yay. Yeah, okay, yeah. good. Well, you heard it here first folks. <laughs> yeah. 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 So it's, uh, it's, it's going to be a labor of love hopefully, but yeah, we're, we're excited for it. All right. Ha ha happy to chat with you about the process. I've got two oh now and yeah, I can, whatever. So yay. Yeah, that'll be yeah. awesome. I, I, I may need to, I'm, you're going to be getting a call from me very soon. <laughs> I, I will answer. I, I, you will not be one that I push out. So. Okay, okay, good. <laughs> good, good. Yeah, especially after our chat. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. Well, <laughs> thank you so much. This has been such an honor and so oh, grateful well, thank for, you, for you. Same, same. All right. I'm glad you're doing this.
All right. Thanks, Arthur. Take care. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to Show Up as a Leader. If you haven't yet subscribed, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. I'm Rosie Ward, and you can find me online at drrosieward.com, where you'll be able to sign up for my newsletter, check out the books I'm reading, and hear from the people I'm talking to. You can also get more information on what I'm up to professionally, including my coaching and speaking services. You can also find me on LinkedIn at rward, Facebook and Instagram at drrosieward, or email me at rosie at drrosieward.com. And I just want to remind you to remember that you have the choice every day to show up as a leader. So choose courage over comfort, embrace your humanity, and never, ever dull your sparkle. Take care, everyone.